In this episode of Two-Eyed Scene, we are going to be talking about residential schools. If this happens to be a triggering topic for you because you have either been a survivor of residential school or you have a close family member who is a survivor of residential school, then maybe this might not be the right time to listen to this episode. Potentially encourage you to hold off on this one. But if you don't know what residential school even means, or you know very, very little about it, you've heard it in passing, then I would highly encourage you to listen to this episode. Hello, Sago, and welcome. You're listening to Two-Eyed Seeing, bridging the Western and Indigenous understanding of health, healing, and life. I'm your host, Dr. Sarah Connors, naturopathic doctor and birth doula and knowledge seeker of Mohawk and European ancestry. Each week, I will be bringing you information about health and wellness from both perspectives so we can learn and grow together as we journey through life on this place we call Earth and Turtle Island. At the time of recording this episode, there was a news uh, story that broke in Canada about the discovery of 215 children's remains at a residential school site in Kamloops, BC. This was a really sad and tragic moment in, in Canadian history and a lot of people are, were referring to it as a dark chapter. The sad thing is, and that's part of the reason why this episode is so important in my mind, is that this is not just one instance in in a happy history in our country. It's simply a moment highlighting the sadness and the atrocities that were committed in the residential school program while it was running. Originally, this episode was actually going to be aired a couple weeks from now, but in light of this recent um, discovery and the fact that we're actually having some of these conversations across our nation right now, I felt it was important to move up this episode in the schedule and, and make sure that it was posted sooner so that we could continue that conversation. And I would like to offer up this episode in honor of those 215 children and the fact that they have families that never knew what happened to them and they never got a chance to go home. So this uh, this episode is really for them and, and for the hundreds and thousands of Indigenous children that did not get to return home to their communities and the brave ones who did return but didn't return the same and are, have lived and, and continue to live with the legacy of, of the residential schools in their, in their day-to-day lives. So I hope that this episode adds to the conversation and helps to bring more understanding to why this is so important to understand and why there needs to be more conversations around this piece in terms of uh, moving forward in our relationships in this country with our Indigenous communities and our non-Indigenous communities. With that, we will return to the original recording of the episode. All right, so as I mentioned in the intro, this episode is going to be a little bit about residential school. 
for those who are survivors of residential school and actually understand the impact of residential school, this can be a very triggering kind of conversation. So as I said in the intro, we definitely may not be ready for this episode. But one thing that I've really wanted for the podcast is this to be an opportunity for us to learn together. And I know both from personal experience going through our Canadian education system and from talking to people that I know is that most Canadians do not really have a good concept of what residential school is or what that even means for most Indigenous communities. So that's really what I wanted to start off with today, is just being a very brief overview of what residential school is and, and a bit about the history of it so that you can really understand what the impact of residential schools was for those who went through it and survived it and the legacy of residential schools in terms of the impact of that on our communities even to this day. So for those who are not aware, residential schools were uh, set up as a program between the Canadian government and the churches to help to educate our Indigenous communities, in particular the children. The main objective behind the residential school program was that of education and assimilation of Indigenous children into mainstream Canadian society. There's been lots of papers, books, all sorts of things written on the residential school programs. And again, it's one of those things that most people, if they even know about the residential school program, think of it as something that is in the past, that it's literally part of our history. But the last residential school actually closed in the late 1990s and that program started running in the 1800s so it was running for approximately a hundred years that's a very very long time to have an impact so there's that piece there's the the historical significance of it but it's the fact that it's still having ripple effects on our communities today and it's a really a sad legacy of you know pain really is what it comes down to because you know yes it sounds great to you know oh this is a wonderful program we're providing education for the indigenous children so that they can you know have a better shot at life and in terms of integrating into Canadian society but what you probably aren't thinking about is again the impact these children were forcibly taken from their homes they weren't able to stay with their parents it's not like they went to school for the day like kids do today and then came home at the end of the day they were often sent very far away from their homes they did not get to see their family very often hardly at all actually because separation was kind of the the point because it's much easier to teach someone how to be different than their home community and their their culture if they're separated from it. So generally the practice was to not allow the children to speak in their native language. They were not allowed to participate in ceremonies. Uh, they weren't allowed to do basically everything that made them indigenous because the point was to take the indigenous out of them so that they would fit in in mainstream society. 
they were generally given haircuts and given um, very plain clothes as soon as they arrived. So they weren't allowed to keep any of the cultural items typically. Maybe they hid them around somewhere, but they weren't really actively encouraged to keep them. And then there's a lot of evidence to show that most of the children experienced some form of either physical and or emotional and in some cases even sexual abuse while they were under the care of um, the adults running these, uh, these residential schools. And at that time, predominantly the schools were run by the church. So they were run by the priests, by the nuns, and the various uh, individuals who were employed uh, by the church. That's who, who was in charge of these programs. There's, as I said, there's lots of books out there that talk about both from a, um, you know, a historical standpoint in terms of uh, researched texts and things like that, as well as fictional. Um, I know a really powerful story that I've read um, that I've read was Indian Horse, and it's even been made into a movie now. And so there's all kinds of resources out there for you to better educate yourself on what it is that the residential school program actually meant for our Indigenous communities. So when I hear people say that Indigenous people are, you know, lazy and are, I don't use this terminology, and if you've listened for long enough, you know that I myself am Indigenous. Um, I have Mohawk ancestry, and actually my great grandmother, so my father's mother's mother and her sisters were in the residential school program. And my great grandmother's one sister actually died while they were attending the residential school uh, that they were at. Um, it wasn't, uh, you know, malicious or anything like that. It was just a really sad circumstance of um, a game of, um, well, as far as we know, this is the story that's been told to me. It was a game of crack the whip and uh, she hit her head and went into a coma and there was just really nothing they could do in terms of, of the, the medicine of that time to be able to help her and uh, she, she ended up passing away. So, so you can see how the impact of residential schools was that there was a, a big threat to cultural um, survival in terms of our indigenous communities. The, the they would many survivors didn't want to speak their language or didn't feel safe speaking their language around their children so their children didn't learn the language they felt that their culture was unsafe because they were taught that when they were children and continues even now another really important impact that you may not know about in terms of those who did survive the residential school program is that unfortunately um, you know because of their in, in, lar in large part because of their treatment in the residential school program, that led to many survivors finding less than healthy coping strategies for dealing with this form of, um, of trauma that they experienced. So there are many survivors that have struggled with various addictions such as alcohol and drugs. And 
you know, that's going to impact them as parents and how they parent. So, of course, we see instances, especially in, in the reserves, where we have this long history of, like, as, as I mentioned before, there's this, this concept of Indigenous being lazy and alcoholics and drug addicts and all these terrible things are being said about our Indigenous communities in particular. But what is not being recognized is the impact of these residential school programs and the history of it and the fact that it's still continuing to impact our communities today because then when you have a parent who's traumatized that trauma is going to affect their children and that trauma is going to affect their grandchildren it's this generational trauma and that's what we're really recognizing in the research now is this concept of generational trauma as a result of being a part of the residential school program. I just want to read something that I found that one of our Indigenous communities wrote in response to the discovery of the 215 um, children in Kamloops, BC. This was from Bearskin Lake First Nation. They wrote this in a in a letter that went out on May 31st, 2021. Residential schools were government-sponsored religious schools that were established to assimilate Indigenous children into Euro-Canadian culture. In total, over 130 residential schools operated in Canada between 1831 and 1996. In 1931, at the height of the residential school system, 80 residential schools were operating across Canada. In total, an estimated 150,000 First Nations, Inuit, and Métis children attended these schools. The Truth and Reconciliation's final report concluded that a soldier had a better chance of surviving the Second World War than an Indigenous child had of surviving the residential school system. I just want us to pause for a moment and really think about what that statement means in the context of the conversation that we're having today around the residential school system. We really need to be continuing this conversation even past this particular news cycle that's focusing on this story. This needs to be talked about more, this needs to be actually addressed, and the calls to action that are in the Truth and Reconciliation report need to be addressed as well because to date very few of those calls to action have actually been addressed and implemented and if we're going to build a better Canada of tomorrow then we need to be taking these things far more seriously than they've been taken to date. So if you're completely unaware of the residential school program, I really encourage you to have at least even a base understanding of it because I think that would really help the average Canadian to understand why it is that so many of our Indigenous people struggle with these, these um, you know, unhealthy patterns of coping. We're all healing collectively as a people and individually as individuals who have experienced either direct trauma or have experienced our own form of trauma because of the trauma that our parents and our grandparents experienced. So I'm not, it's any one particular person's fault. I'm not saying that it's 
um, you know, something that needs to be forgotten about either, because that's the other thing is like, well, it's in the past. It's, you know, just let it go. That's the other thing I often hear from people is just like, well, can't you just let the past go? How many more years are you going to um, continue to talk about this? And that's, that's the issue in and of itself is we need to continue to have these conversations so that it's better understood and better integrated into our history as Canadians. Because if we don't understand where we've come from and how things were done, how could we possibly expect to plan and execute on a better future for our children and for our country? if we're not willing to take a look at what came before and the mistakes that were made so that we can correct and do better. Because when we forget about what came before, and that's the, the old phrase, you forget the, his, the history of yesterday, you're doomed to repeat it. So we need to be having these conversations so that we do not repeat things as... Um, harmful as what overall the residential school program ended up being. One of the bright lights that came out of the residential school program, again, I really do hope you, you know, even just go and look a little bit online to educate yourself a little bit, is the Truth and Reconciliation Council and the calls to action that came from that. So that was put together in terms of collecting the stories of the survivors and the children of the survivors of the residential school program so that we could better understand the full implication and impacts of the residential school program. And so that was several years of collecting stories, talking to Indigenous communities, counseling and providing care for those who survived and were impacted by the residential school program because many of them did not talk about what happened with them. My great-grandmother is a really good example where she would not talk with her children and her grandchildren about what happened to her and her sister and their friends when they were in the residential school program. It was just something you did not talk about. It was swept under the rug. So for many years, it wasn't really understood well what happened to these children and what happened in the residential schools and what that impact ended up being. That's why this is so important. What ended up coming out of the Truth and Reconciliation Council is the commission report. And that commission report has a number of recommendations on it in terms of the various areas that were identified through those interviews and those, you know, opportunities to speak with the survivors of the residential school program in terms of things that they were calling on both the Canadian government and Canadian society as a whole to be able to change to really address some of these underlying issues that hadn't been addressed and had been largely ignored up to that point. And those were in the areas of child welfare, those were in the areas of health, justice. There's a very wide range of things that were covered. Murdered and missing Indigenous women. There's a whole host of topics that are covered in that commission report. And I know for a lot of people that's not going to be something that you're necessarily going to read the whole thing, but at least, I, I would encourage you to, but at least familiarize yourself with it so that you know where Indigenous communities are coming from, where Indigenous people are coming from, 
when we are asking for recognition and help in the sense of moving forward and creating a better tomorrow for all Canadians, Indigenous and non-Indigenous alike. Because when there's a whole segment of our population that is ignored and forgotten and treated as if they don't matter, how can we possibly expect Canada to be the Canada that we want it to be? To be the Canada that is inclusive and multicultural and stands for equality. If a huge percentage of our population is suffering and continuing to suffer and has a very bleak future if many of these things do not change. Therefore, if, as I said before, if you are unaware of the residential school program, if you're unaware of the Truth and Reconciliation Council Commission report, if these are things that you just have never heard of before because I know I wasn't taught it when I was in school, I only knew because of my family making a really concerted effort to, for me to understand my roots and where I come from. That's the reason why I know these things. And I still have a lot of learning to do. I didn't grow up on reserve. I didn't have some of those really um, insidious impacts on myself that I know of from the experience that my great-grandmother and her siblings had while in the residential school program. But I know that my grandmother, my dad, and myself, and everyone else in our family, no one speaks the language. My dad has made a really concerted effort to learn about our culture and reclaim our culture. But my grandmother and her siblings didn't have a whole lot of exposure to that. And so there's whole families that we're, we're losing our culture. We're losing our languages. We're losing those things that make us who we are. And when we lose that thread of who we are, then we truly are lost. And if you can understand it from the concept of just feeling extremely lost in the woods and you don't know where you are and you don't know where you're going. That's how many Indigenous people feel today because they've lost or are losing that connection. And we need to do everything we can to support the reestablishment of that connection and the treatment of equality and all those things need to come with it. I hope this really sparks some topics of conversation and some topics of interest for you to look into the residential school program and the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. If you have questions about it, please do let me know. I would be more than happy to try and direct you. I don't pretend that I know everything there is to know about this topic, but I know enough to know that very few people even know what it is, especially in Canada, and we need to be having a much wider conversation about it. So with that said, I do hope you all have a really good day and please do connect with me either through um, my website or through socials and let's see if we can start to change this conversation for the better. Thank you, Nyawa, for listening to Two-Eyed Seeing. Leave me a comment and if you feel called to, please leave a review in iTunes and subscribe to this podcast. If you have questions about the episode or suggestions for upcoming podcasts, please reach out to me at www.sarahconnorsnd.com.